Upworthy Weekly, delivering the best of humanity every Saturday. Here's your hosts, Allison Rosen and Todd Perry. Hello, everybody. This is Upworthy Weekly. My name is Todd Perry, and with me is the wonderful Allison Rosen. Hello. Everybody knows Allison uh, from her podcast, Allison Rosen is Your New Best Friend, and her other super popular podcast, Childish, which is kind of a little bit about parenting with comedian Greg Fitzsimmons. I'm here because I'm a staff writer at Upworthy, and if you read Upworthy's articles, you've probably read some things I've written. And on uh, today's show, we're going to go over some of the most popular and engaging stories from the week of August 8th to the 12th, including funny names that kids have for everyday things, the world's oldest doctor, and things people prefer to do the, quote, un, uh, old-fashioned way. But w- before we get into that, Allison, I know that we uh, often refer to what we do as, as being inside of the Upworthy News Bubble. Yes. Like, there's different news bubbles. You know, you could be into your your, uh, OAN and your Fox News and be in one bubble. You could be all like MSNBC and NPR and be in another bubble. You could be all about good, vibey news and human interest stories and be with us in the Upworthy bubble. Yeah, get get to where this is going, please. So what I'm saying is, uh, there's a bunch of big, crazy news stories going on outside of the Upworthy bubble this week. Oh, Yes, I get it. So, uh, one of them, uh, you know, and we don't do like politics and usually that that type of news on this show, but it was interesting, and I'll this will make sense. Uh, it, it was Alex Jones, the conspiracy theorist who does Infowars, uh, owes like fifty million dollars to the families of these Sandy Hook shooting victims mm-hmm. because he was making conspiracy theories about them and he said it was a hoax and and uh they then were threatened with violence and their lives already tragic became uh, much more awful because of that guy correct so hey worst person on earth and uh, but i was reading an article this morning in politico uh, as i was sitting on twitter and the uh article said what they call the lie economy, which is Mm. all the people that make money off of this kind of conspiratorial stuff. Uh, Alex Jones's business was worth $135 million uh, from just basically making up a bunch of BS and frightening people and, and, and doing what he does. But so... At first, I thought, that's awful that people are being rewarded that much money for doing terrible mm. things. And then a light bulb went off in my head. Ding. And I thought, if Alex Jones is doing these really negative kind of things for the lie economy, what if, let's say, at the Upworthy Weekly podcast, we started promoting like a kind of positive conspiracy uh, news ecosystem? Sure. Right? So it's not like we're not sitting there going like, the government's coming after you to take your guns. You know, we're not doing that kind of thing. We're doing something that's like a bit different um, that right. nobody like else. The government, the government wants to give you guns. No, maybe that's not good either. I don't think that works. <laughs> oh, okay. But I was just thinking like, what if in the Upworthy Worthy, you know, the InfoWars version of Upworthy Weekly, you'd be like, the government has been secretly breeding puppies. 
<laughs> All types of puppies, Rottweilers, Dalmatians, hush puppies, you name it. The government has been secretly breeding them for the moment that it's going to throw the nationwide puppy parade. That's right. Your state, your city, your street is going to be inundated with cute little puppies. You know, or, or, or I, I was thinking like, you know, like the QAnons, they, they all think that like Trump is still president, but, but he's like underground. And I thought like in this positive news bubbles, positive conspiracy, that like Jimmy Carter would secretly be president still. <laughs> and it would be like, you know, Jimmy Carter right now is planning something big. He's going to give everybody free tacos for life in America. <laughs> it's happening. It's happening right now. I've got great, I've got all the evidence right here. Right now, I've got people who are in the deep state who are telling us Jimmy Carter's free tacos. Don't you think this would fly? Like, we get everybody all riled up it. about like puppies yes. and tacos. I love it. You know, we get I love it. The aliens came down to New Mexico yesterday and they brought us the cure for athlete's foot or something. Just like. <laughs> right, the important issues. Yes, it would be all great stuff. And it's like, Jimmy Carter right now is meeting with them and having tea. And they say everything's going to be great. And we're going to have world peace in 200 years because they're aliens mm -hmm. from the future. So it'd be like this, right. you know, good vibey conspiracy thing. We make tons of money for Joseph R. Upworthy and mm -hmm. this website, because Upworthy actually, in all honesty, does a lot of great things. And um, through their company, Good. Uh, they do a lot of great things in the world. So actually, we could just, through promoting positive conspiracies, uh, we could make the world a better place and, you know. And make some money. Yes, yes. And I'd be like the Alex Jones and you'd be, you'd be like the Alexa Jones of of this new sure. positive conspiracy bubble. Yes, I love it. I think you're on to something. Yeah. So, I mean, I'll bring it up at my next meeting with the founder of okay. Upworthy... Just so far upward. See we'll how, see. yes. Yeah, see how tethered to the truth they are. Yeah. Because I think it might be the real truth might be holding us back. Mm, yeah, you're right. Have you considered that? Hmm. 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 So, Allison, what do you have in the real upworthy news? The real, the real truth. Well, speaking of the truth and accurate names for things. Uh, people share accurate names. Kids give things after a man reveals his niece's genius name for, for an aquarium. So here's a super cute story where a man made a TikTok that went viral. By the way, do we ever do stories about TikToks that only got a, a handful of views? I no. don't think we ever, in the same way that we don't do many stories about cats, we never really do a story about a TikTok that just went out to close friends and family. Um, so here's a TikTok that got tons of views uh, where a man shared this the name that his niece gave an aquarium, and it really made him think, and I believe we have the audio. My niece just called an aquarium a water zoo. <laughs> now I have a lot to think about. She's not wrong. She's more than right. I love how emotional he is. Mm -hmm. Well, like, it really, I mean, we just, as adults, we just, ex we don't think about language that much, you, you know, until you encounter a word that you don't know, or 
I have the experience often where all of a sudden a word that I just take for granted will strike me as weird. And I'll think, wait, is that, is that the, I use that word bowl, bowl. I use the word bowl all the time. Is that the right word? You know, I'll have that sort of surreal And there's, I'm sure there's a German word to explain that experience, but, um, yeah, you know, so aquarium, we say it all the time, but it really is a water zoo. So anyway, this, uh, tick prompted a ton of comments from people sharing their very accurate uh, names that their kids had given things. So um, someone's child calls cupcakes party muffins. They call exclamation points loud periods. Oh, How good is that? I like that. They are loud periods, yeah. Um, someone's child refers to being uh, thirsty as water hungry. I remember <laughs> my sister, when she when she was very young, she said, um, I'm hungry for thirst, which is is a similar thing. Less, uh, less, um, you know, brief, less less witty, but but you know, trying trying to get drive the same point home. Um, someone's kid calls tears panic water, which is kind of sad. And then all of this uh, caught the attention of one of my favorite celebrities, Kevin Bacon. Kevin Bacon oh. dropped into the comment section and said, wow. "Quote, I know." The Kevin Bacon of Footloose, of She's Having a Baby, of my, one of my personal favorites, which I don't feel gets enough attention, He Said, She Said. They tell the whole story from his point of view. They tell the whole same story from her point of view. When they tell the Upworthy Weekly story, I hope they do it from your point of view, my point of view, or, or vice versa. Probably mine first. Anyway, no, oh. yours first. And then we get the real story. Anyway, you want to know what Kevin Bacon said? I think you do. He said, quote... You want to know the real story, Allison? <laughs> anyway, Kevin Bacon said, it seems, obvi- it seems so obvious once they say it. Mm, so sweet. It does. These things do seem obvious once they say it. Yeah. I once heard a child say... I've got a headache in my stomach. Yes. That's a good one. Uh, I remember my son once, uh, he really wanted to have a brother, but that wasn't going to happen. And Mm -hmm. he has some friends named Bear and Sammy, and he goes, I'm going to go live with Bear and Sammy, and then you guys can go to the kids' store and get another (laughs) kid. So I like that he still cared that we still wanted children with him gone, Uh, which maybe not, Yeah, but... Yeah, he said you can go to the kids' store. Another one, now this wasn't a kid, but this was just how things translate from different cultures. I used to work with a gentleman named Jay, uh, who is from Korea, and we had somebody's like birthday at work, and they brought out a cheesecake, and he said, oh, cream cheese pie. That's literally what it is. That's what it is. And we're calling it cheesecake, which when I think cheesecake, I think like American cheese made into a cake, which sounds kind of gross. Not the Mm -hmm. awesomeness that is a uh, cheesecake. So I don't know. We should. That's what I should. change. That's another great way for Upworthy to make money. We'll just sell cream cheese pie. And people be like, no one's ever made cream cheese pie before. And then people will think it tastes different than it actually does because it has a different name. Like the moment I realized that red velvet is actually chocolate. Is it just because people claim it's different, but to me it does taste like chocolate. Is it just chocolate that's red? I'm going to say if there's anybody out there that has, you know, well, we should do a a kind of take issue. No, we should. We should do some kind of like blindfolded taste test or give someone Ooh, a taste test 
Yeah, yeah, get someone who's visually impaired and then give them both and you know, so they're not influenced by the the black or the or the red color and say which one's right. chocolate and and see what it mm. is. I mean, I that would be a way to do it. I feel like there's also probably other ways to do it, like looking at recipes. But, you know, the look you're giving me, my god. All right, fine. We we will go out and find someone who's visually impaired and see if they want to eat some cake. For for the podcast. Upworthy Weekly. I should give you a hand signal before I do the thing, so, you know, like a something. People are sharing the things they still like to do the, quote, old-fashioned way without technology. A Reddit user... Go to the kid's store? Yeah. Uh, that's what we call it. Going to the kids' store. A <laughs> uh, Reddit user recently asked the online forum to share, quote, one thing they still preferred to do the old-fashioned way regardless of technology. Unsurprisingly, a main theme in people's answers had to do with old-fashioned activities having a tangible quality to them. Activities that require touch, taste, smell, like eating, you know, red velvet cakes, uh, and the things that make us feel human. Sure, efficiency and convenience are great, but feeling alive is pretty great, too. And so here's some of the things that people still prefer uh, the old-fashioned way. One was photos. You know, having an actual tangible photo sitting in your house uh, on, on display uh, still means something. And it's funny to me, it just made me go, oh, my God, how many photos do I have, like, in my phone that I will never look at again? Because we take so mm-hmm. many. And just the idea of now going through the years and years of, of photos and, and memes I have that are stuck in between the photos on there. You right, know? right. Uh, I know the- uh, aforementioned Greg Fitzsimmons of Childish is always telling me, get a hard drive and go through and like get to, you know, say, delete the photos you don't want, save the good ones. And the idea of deleting photos of my kids feels like I can't even imagine doing that. And yet I have for every one good photo, there's 12 that happened, you know, the seconds before and after, because I just take a bunch all the time. I'm never going to look at them again. They're just, it's all the same photo, basically. Yeah. And And I don't clean it up. Yeah, and you gotta like curate it. But I'm just, I'm just thinking like, yeah. to start now when I don't know when did the clouds start, 2011 or something, to go back through, <laughs> what's that, 11 years? I don't know. I don't, I'm not good at math, but right. say, say yeah. 11 years worth of of photos of like, oh, that's that concert I was at. You know, seems like right. a lot. Uh, but I feel like we'd value them more when you actually print them out and look at them versus throwing them on the For IG. Sure. Yes. Another person said reading a book, which I completely agree with because I can't. Yeah. Like, I, I already complain about like not liking my my phone and staring at screens. So uh, I love I I can't get behind the idea of sitting there looking at a tablet and reading a book. Like. No, I have trouble with that too. Although I know uh, voracious readers who do it all on a reader, and I just I can't really get with it either. Like, I, it seems like a relatively easy adjustment once you make the switch, though. But I don't. I like to be able to flip back and forth, and I just I I, I have trouble with that. Yeah, and I like the highlighting, and I feel like the glare mm-hmm. on the eyes is different. It's like you're looking at real stuff, you know. It's like you're looking at um, yeah, you look you look you're looking at the words, and also I like to highlight 
stuff. Like when I was mm-hmm. reading Atomic Habits recently, and I went through and I, I highlighted mm-hmm. all the really important <laughs> things I'll explain to you. <laughs> that, that's why you're crushing your life right now. Mm-hmm. Who was on time to recording today? Let me just. Uh, hmm. I guess you were. So it's atomic of you. It was. It was. It was an atomic habit I've developed. (laughs) What a a nuclear recording you were ready for. Yes. And it happened this week because I was 35 minutes late last week. So I guess that's true. Yeah. Yeah. My my habits got atomic like earlier, earlier today. (laughs) Yeah. They were radioactive, really. Toxic. That's what they need. Just what we want. Now, what? I, I know, but this is not exactly what we're talking about. But what makes them atomic, and why is that? Oh, is it because it's like the so finite the changes each day, like atomic level changes? Right. Yeah. How something small can become something big. Got it. Allegedly. Okay. Mm. Uh, somebody else said something interesting, uh, which was making popcorn on top of the stove. Oh, like a Jiffy Pop situation. Yeah, can you still get that? Is that available? You can, I I do believe they sell it in stores. I mean, I haven't bought it that way in years, but I know exactly what you mean. It's like that foil. It looks like speaking of pie, like a foil pie tin with the handle. I haven't seen it like that in a while. Yeah, when I was a kid and it would pop up and it was really it was really fun, a lot more fun than the microwave. Mm. And I'm like, why yeah. do they s- still make that? Is it for people who are luddites or people who don't have microwaves? Or there are some people... Purists. Well, there are some people that don't use microwaves. They think it's bad for your food. Right. I've met these people. Yes. Me too. But there are also some people, not just who are afraid of microwaves, who feel that microwaves are not necessary. When I met my husband, he and his ex-girlfriend did have a microwave, but then when they broke up, she took it, and he didn't seem to mind. And I was like, how can you live without a microwave? I almost broke up with him over it. And so then now we have a microwave, but I really was shocked, shocked at this, since at the time... I microwaved everything. I was a real like frozen dinner kind of person, mm. a lean cuisine person. Um, yeah. And uh, then at a certain point, our microwave broke and I had to live without a microwave. And I, I found it, I, I adjusted to it, but I prefer life with a microwave. But there are people who don't have them and they seem to uh, be okay. I don't get it. You know, it's going to freak you out because it freaks people out. Is Do you not I- have one? I have no. I have one of those tray microwaves, where you hit a button and it's like a, it's like a drawer. You put something in what? and then you close the drawer. Uh huh. Because okay. it just work with the design of the kitchen. And so when 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 people come over and they go, "Where's the microwave?" and I point at it, people stand there eight nine minutes, no idea how to work it or how to how to turn yeah. it on. And uh, and then, like, and then so it just pops out like a VCR. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. They also don't know how to work my VCR when I... Uh... <laughs> and they, they put a lasagna in your VCR. <laughs> right, yeah. They, they took your lean cuisine serving for one uh, and put yeah. it in the thing. Was that a super expensive modification of your microwave? I mean, that sounds really cool and high-end, is it? I don't want to seem out of touch with the average listener. So, no, it was a very affordable change to make it <laughs> right option for your it sounds cool send me a photo of it later yes i'll send you video because it's really intoxicating <laughs> please uh let's see here 
you know, I was I was thinking uh, some things that I like to do the old fashioned way. One of them is going to Disneyland because last time I went, it was like everything was on an app. Mm, it was like, yes. oh, dude. Like, I just want to go and wait in line, and I don't want to have to go walk over to this side of the park, put in an app, and, like, touch an app to a kiosk to get my time to ride the Matterhorn, or, like, all the food, you had to sit and order your food, and I'm sure maybe it made things more convenient, but it was just, like, I had to be conscious of my phone the whole time, and then, like, it's like, we're going to text you when it's time for you to get on XYZ ride, and, like, that was annoying, and then then I started having that, like, oh, God, I'm going to have... I'm going to run out of power on my phone and then I'm not going to be able to do Disneyland, you know? Mm-hmm. So that is stressful. It I I will just a counterpoint. I know what you mean, having to be tethered to your phone is a pain. However, the last time we went to Disneyland because of the app, we barely had to wait in line. Mm. It is a different kind of experience though. It's very different than the old just wing it, wait in line, go on whatever ride you want. It's much more, you know, efficient, calculated, mechanized. You are at the whim of your phone. Yeah, and I was sitting there trying to put my e-tickets in the machine, and they wouldn't take my (laughs) e-ticket in the machine. (laughs) Oh, my word. Oh, it's terrible. Uh, Also, one thing I like to do the old-fashioned way, Now I might get mocked for this, but who cares? Uh, I like, like, if I'm going to drive somewhere... What I do is I write down the directions on a post-it, and I put the post- My eyes are so wide right now. I know. It was freakish. It was like somebody in a Spielberg film when they see like the, Mm -hmm. you know, the aircraft fly over. I I, I take the post-it, and then I I stick the post-it to my dashboard in my electric car. With, that has GPS in it. Right. And I I sit there, and I just, and I read that. I mean, if it's a bad traffic situation, then I'll go to the Waze app. But if not, and I'm just coasting, then I don't want to sit and pick up the phone. I have to look at the phone or, like, have the phone interrupting. I'm, like, listening to music and then turn left on blah, 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 you know? Well, where do you get the directions? Thomas Brothers Guide? Or do you actually use technology to find the directions at the beginning? I get my Thomas Guide from beneath my seat. (laughs) That that doesn't right. have even certain cities on it anymore that were built after 1988, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. La Cañada, Flint Ridge, not on there, you know. Um, no, but no, I did do. I'll go to like Google Maps and then I'll select the best route okay. and I'll write it down and then I'll put it. Got on a it. I am embarrassed. I'm so reliant on Waze and on GPS that I cannot have a cell phone conversation while I'm driving. Like people have suggested to me, why don't we talk when you're in the car? And I'm like, that's not going to work for me because I need to be available to listen to my phone telling me where to go. And I know I think it will interrupt you, but it's like too distracting for me. I just need to be able to focus on my phone or else I get lost. Yeah, that's too. And you know what? Probably not good to be having phone conversations while driving. Yeah, but I mean, you can do it hands-free. Some people do it all the time, but I just, it's too much for me. Uh, in general, I feel like any Zoom meeting is is uh, more convenient, but in-person is more fun. Um, what else do I prefer to do the old-fashioned way? Oftentimes, I act, I don't like writing longhand, but if I'm making a list uh, sometimes I will find that like writing longhand is like is easier for me or if I'm taking making notes, something like that, occasionally longhand. But if I'm doing like a journal or a diary or something where you're supposed to do it longhand, I'd rather type that. 
Okay, I love now doing, I'm doing the list. I like doing the list with the long hand. And I, f- I feel like yeah. I remember it better because I like I actually like mm-hmm. phys- I feel like I did it more. It was more of a physical tactile thing that like, like more right. neurons were like connected in my brainium, you know? Yeah. Your brainium. Yeah. Is that next to your crane? <laughs> Upworthy Weekly. So a hundred year old neurologist who's still working shares his secrets to longevity Dr. Howard Tucker was 99 when Guinness Book of World Records named him the world's oldest practicing doctor. Would you ever go to the world's oldest, oldest practicing doctor, Todd? If I knew that ahead of time, where it was like a list of doctors, especially because this guy was a neurologist, it was like a list of doctors, and then it was like, eh, so-and-so, I don't know, looks mid-50s, blah, 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 blah. Then it was like, the world's oldest neurologist. Then I'd be like, oh, maybe, like, well... <laughs> Right. So he was 99 when they named him the world's oldest practicing doctor. Now he's 100 and he just stopped seeing patients. Uh, This is what he recently told the Today Show. But he still teaches medical residents twice a week. And what he told the Today Show is that he thinks retirement is the enemy of longevity, which is really bad news to me because I just love to sit down. I just love to take a break. But he is active and Clearly, he's still like all there mentally. Um, he's just, uh, he's just, it's really amazing that he was still able to be practicing and to be successful and reliable and trustworthy and like firing on all cylinders at 99 and now at 100 is still teaching people. Like I said, I'm ready to just coast and I am f- far younger. Some people think I'm in my 20s. Um, but it's not really gonna, about me. Anyway, yes. Go ahead. But yeah, you're going to you're going to die early if you retire. You got to keep going. You got to keep talking. Yeah. You got to make keep making content, you know. Oh yeah, no. Clean. I'll do that. I'm not going to I'm not going to shut up for a long time. I just would like to take a just, you know, I just enjoy a nap. But anyway, yeah, he looks at retirement as the enemy of longevity. Uh, and then he also says Everything in moderation, except no cigarette smoking. That, do not do that in moderation. And then he also says, learn as if you're going to live forever. Dance as if no one's watching. No, he didn't say that. He said, learn as if you're going to live forever. Live as if you're going to die tomorrow. That's something he lives by. You know, it's kind of funny when when I think about certain things you know learn as if you're going to live forever right that's that's very positive i'd imagine at a certain point you get pretty old and you're like i'm not gonna learn how to use the tiktok because like i'm gonna die anyway Mm -hmm. and you know it ends up being like certain things in life like they'll show like this map of like what the new metro rail is going to look like in los angeles in 2060 and then i'm like "Eh, probably be dead or not going anywhere now, now I'm not excited. Like 10 years ago, I got really excited when they'd be like, here's the new train we're building that goes from Long Beach mm-hmm. to, you know, Santa Monica straight. You know, you're like, oh, that sounds awesome. And then it's like, no. You know, and then I'll be like, when I'm 90, I don't want to go to Santa Monica. So <laughs> I, that's how I kind of think. And then, I, you know, and it's like, you know, things like climate change. you yeah. like... You know, younger people really have to be bothered by it. But if you're my dad, who's uh, 80, 90, 100, something like that, then he's like, mm, well, it gets a little warmer. What's the big deal? You know, so it's all it's all perspective. 
But I like this really guy's, is. you know, this guy's basic thing is keep living, keep learning, and that will keep you living. Um, mm-hmm. my, my secret to longevity, even though I've only reached 45, is a bit different. But it's, it's more like just something anecdotal that I've seen. All right, that, let's hear it. And you tell me if you think I'm wrong. But I don't think I'm wrong. Okay. My thing is, don't capture God's attention. Oh, so go fly under the radar. Fly under the radar. Now, if you're somebody who looks super unhealthy and, you know, you're eating 33,000 calories a day and they have to, like, remove a wall to get you out of your house, whammo. God, you're capturing God's attention. Because, hey, that guy, done, mm. right? Lightning bolt, boom, heart mm-hmm. attack, right? Sure. Or sure. if you're that person that's like, I ran three marathons yesterday, I'm a vegan, and they're, oh, Nope, your cat. You're gonna get a weird disease. You're gonna get some because you, you, you mm. always hear about it. It's like, oh, they're a vegetarian. You're flying too close to the sun. That's right. So, you know, drink a bit, have some bacon every once in a while. Don't be totally healthy looking. When I see my friends that are look like really healthy, I think mm-hmm. they're not gonna be around for long. Like, do I have to encourage? <laughs> Do I have to encourage mediocrity. this friendship? You know? So But you're you're encouraging mediocrity is what you're encouraging. Right. I'm encouraging longevity by not getting over your skis. I hear what you're saying. But don't you think just absolutely average people are stricken down as well? I haven't seen it. <laughs> well, there you go. My grandma lived in 93, quit smoking at 89. Was she perfectly average? Yes. Wow. Totally average. You got good genes. You she have read good a lot. genes yeah, then. She read a lot, though. But... So, what did, kind you of have... stuff did she read? Oh, trashy romance novels. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Big, thick ones, too. Like With like, like the, the puffy foil writing on the front, bodice rippers. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how anybody could write a 900-page bodice ripper, but... Or it wouldn't get repetitive by, you know, but that's... Oh, I think it does. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm sure it gets repetitive. I think that's the point. You know what you're getting. It's like the it's like a procedural, but it's romance. Oh, okay. I don't know. I, that's a gig I'd like to write bodice rippers, you know? Do it. I know. You have time. Do you have any... Uh... Thoughts about longevity? Any anything anything you're trying to do besides retire and, and die early? <laughs> I am, I am okay. I am not trying to retire and die early. However, I had the weirdest. This is a very roundabout answer, but I had the weirdest thought the other day, and it actually concerned me a little bit. No one worry about me though. I'm in therapy. I'm good. But I was thinking, what if I'm actually? I and, and also. No one up there that I don't really believe in. I hope no one's listening to this because I feel like I'm jinxing myself. But I was mm. like, what if I'm actually okay with the idea of my own death? Like, mm. I don't really, because my own belief system is you're bas- you basically just go to sleep. I mean, hoping, mm. hope, you know, assuming that you don't suffer, right? So it's really just sort of the you just kind of, you just cease to exist. And obviously like that, the, the notion of no longer existing, there's so much fear around it. Mm. But all of a sudden I was just like, that doesn't sound, 
I mean, I can't believe I'm saying this. Like, that doesn't sound so bad. Um, uh, and, and, you know, I think like the healthiest place to be is like, I don't want that, but I realize I have no control over that. Mm. Um, it was weird though, the way I, I didn't feel this huge, like, no about that. I was just like, meh, especially in a, in a room full of my family. You'd think that I would just be like, I can't, you know. Um, so I guess my thoughts on longevity are like, eh, take it or leave it. Speaking of longevity, when I was when I was a kid, I was in Sunday school. And my Sunday school teacher was talking about the fact that, you know, in biblical times, people live longer. And they were talking about like Methuselah, who... Oh, right. M- Methuselah lived to be like 900. And, you know, and she was like, you know, in these days, everybody, I know this was the 80s, so it's like everybody these days dies at 65. And so uh, I said, why did everybody in biblical times live longer? And she goes, oh, well, you know, we didn't have preservatives and food and stuff, you know. And I was like, oh, my God, the preservatives are no- knocking off like 95% of my lifespan. I need, <laughs> I need to get these out of my diet immediately, and I could, be, I could live till 900. Why, like... Mm-hmm. Why is it worth it? Right. Why? Get these sodium benzoate out of here. Upworthy Weekly. I was recently on a podcast called The Best Advice Show, uh, starring a guy named Zach Rosen. No relation. Who is not related. No. Yes. And uh, what he and basically his podcast is he has people come on and share their best advice that they ever have, and it's like a five minute thing. And and I was on there talking about uh, actually advertising in a weird way. Uh, so, but I was listening to his show. I was like, this show is pretty damn upworthy. So I said, hey Zach, send me some like one minute clips of the best advice on your show. And we'll we'll share them with the audience. So real quick, here is some of the of the best advice from the best advice show with Zach Rosen. Thank you, Allison and Todd. Are you angry, but don't feel like you have a healthy outlet for it? Well, you should follow this advice then. It's from Jennifer Brandell. Go to the batting cages. So I've been telling my husband for years, like, I want to go to batting cages sometime. And it was just one of those like random things. And I would think about it every so often. And then finally, it was just a few weeks ago. It was a beautiful day. We were out in Los Angeles and my husband's like, I bet there's some batting cages around here. And I was like, yes, let's do it. Today's the day. And so, you know, thank you Yelp for helping me find one about 20 minutes away. Um, <laughs> we went, I was uh, there were probably people my age there, but they were all parents of, of children who were in the batting cages. So here's me, a 40 year old woman, while my husband uh, is holding our 11 month old just in the cage, just like ripping as hard as I can. Okay, this is your pitch. Right here. And it was so cathartic to kind of like just plunge that anger out of me or like crack it off that residue that had been sitting there. And I, I highly recommend it for people who maybe don't aren't in touch with their anger or who just need a, a place to move and move your body. I, I fully believe in like the somatic practices of helping to psychologically attune us. And there's something about that twist and that torque and that connection that feels like it's better than outthinking something that actually pissed you off. 
It was funny in, in the cages when I came out, you know, I was, I was really, my husband was just looking at me. I was like very focused and concentrated. Like, you know, I was laughing and having a good time, but I was actually thinking every time we hit the ball of something that was, that had been kind of like a layer of residue that I wanted to physically exercise, like exorcise from my body. And um, it was funny after I came out, he was like, wow, that's so intense that you're like smashing all these people's heads. And I'm like, I'm, I'm not thinking of actual people's heads. Like, oh, I'm not a sicko. Like I'm, I'm like, you know, hitting misplaced assumptions and I'm hitting like a lack of funding for underrepresented founders and startups. And I'm hitting like the Supreme Court, mm. you know, like not hitting, like not like picturing someone's face barreling at me. Yeah. I felt a very helpful to just have like a concept that I was angry against because at the end of the day, I feel like we're all part of systems of injustice and like trying to place all my anger on one person who's acting within it is like, I don't know, to me, it doesn't make sense. I'd rather like smash the system. (laughs) Guy who sounds remarkably like Michael Jackson gets 27 million views on first TikTok video. Can you believe it? Now, Allison, believe it. Earlier in this episode, you were saying that why don't we highlight, you know, people who have no clicks on TikTok? You know, it's only the viral mm-hmm. stuff. So right. maybe maybe we'll try to find a guy with really bad Michael Jackson impersonation. No one listens to bad version of Ben. Uh, <laughs> it was, uh, let's see here. So here's a guy. He just filmed himself sitting at a gas station just cranking this out. And would you listen to him? He's the best all the way to number one, a random guy named Brandon Conway. Hey, pretty baby with the high heels on. You give me fever like I've never, ever known. You're just a product of my loveliness. I like the groove of your walk, your talk, your dress. I feel your fever from miles around. Harmonizing. I pick you up in my car and we'll be the town. You give me, baby, and tell me twice that you're the one for me, the way you're making me feel. You're really turning me on. You really turn me on. You're not me off of my feet now, baby. My, feet. my lonely days are gone. My lonely days are gone. Yeah, if you told me that was Michael Jackson, I, I mean, wow, Todd, you are blowing me away as well. But this guy is especially blowing me out of the out of the way. He's blowing me out of the way. Uh, <laughs> that makes that's like going back to the story of sometimes people say things that are more accurate. I think I should be included in that story. Um, yeah, if you told me that was Michael Jackson, I, I would believe you. Yeah, he sounded like except except for you know Michael being dead, but uh, yeah, he sounded. No, but just, I mean, if you said you unearthed unearthed the recording of Michael Jackson snapping at a gas station and singing, I would say, yep, sounds like it. It's mm-hmm. more realistic than that Simpsons episode where Lisa. I don't think I know the episode. The Simpsons episode where Michael Jackson plays the guy in like the mental hospital and befriends homer and then it's like and michael jackson did the voice but did not do the singing because i think there was some kind of legal thing where he couldn't uh-huh. sing and have it recorded or whatever so it's somebody else going, lisa it's your birthday 
happy birthday, Lisa. And it sounds nothing like Michael mm. Jackson. But the person Got in it. the thing sounds just like Michael Jackson. This guy's better mm. than that, is what I'm saying. Hey, Bart. Hey, you. Bart, when I was a kid, I didn't have much money. So you know what I did when my sister's birthdays rolled around? Stiffed them? No. I wrote them a song to show that I cared. I can't write a song. I'm only 10. Only 10? When I was your age, I had six gold records. Hey! The training wheels come off your bike. You start to notice boys you like. <laughs> You're just putting that in because it's commercial. <laughs> I, you know, my my son recently has been getting into Michael Jackson, and it was just like my wife had some like Jackson Five on her iPad, and it was uh, it was uh, what's that? Uh, ABC one two three, you know, and mm-hmm. my son was like, I love this band. What is this band? And I was like, That's the Jackson Five, and he was like, I love the Michael Jackson Five. Um, oh. So then I had, I was talking to my wife. I go, Well. It's going to be a moment where we have to have the talk. Yeah. It's time to rate your week. Have something great happen this week that you just have to share with the world? Tell us about it by emailing us at upworthyweekly at upworthy.com. Allison Rosen, on a scale of one through five, one being horrible, five being terrific, rate your week. I'm going to give this week a four. Um, I had a pretty good week. Yeah, my mother-in-law's here, and when she's here, I'm allowed to get a little more sleep, um, and it's nice. It's like we have a mom in the house, and it made me realize, am I just an adult who wants to have a mom that lives in the house because I wake up and she's already in the kitchen cooking my kids breakfast, doing the dishes. And then I just like, I wake up a little later than normal. I come in, I make sure that like my son is ready for school, but I don't actually do the stuff to get him ready. I'm just like manage. I'm just like managing it, you yeah. know. And I make sure that he's like brush that he's brushing his teeth at the time that he needs to brush his teeth. And then I, you know, make sure that his backpack is is packed correctly. I make sure that my mm. husband is up in time to drive him to school. Make sure that his water bottle is like in in the correct part of his backpack. Mm. And then. You know, like I do, but but I'm not actually needing to really do much. Um, and yeah, I think it's like, it turns out I just need to have a mom that lives with me. Yeah. I'm not ready to be that person. Uh, and then my shows were all very fun. And also it turns out that I have accepted my uh, inevitable mortality. So yeah. I think that's why all of this week has been a four. Wow, that's fantastic. And mm-hmm. Uh, Thank you. Are you a better person than you were last week, besides the fact you've basically given up your entire responsibility as a parent? Yes. Yes, I have done that. Um, I am. For two reasons. One, continuing with last week's thing where I'm not looking at my phone before I've been up for a little while. When my alarm went off this morning... Mother-in-law already in the kitchen doing dishes, making breakfast for my son. Uh, I really wanted to look at my phone. And I said, Allison, don't do it. You get your buns into the bathroom and you 
don't you don't pollute your mind. And I did. And I didn't look at my phone till later. So I took control. And then the second thing is I recorded a Patreon. So I'm on Patreon and I recorded a Patreon episode and it was very, um, very, very personal and very vulnerable. And uh, I told some stories from the past and I was talking to Daniel about this particular episode and I was feeling a little bit like vulnerable about it. And he was like, you know, the only thing is you just don't want people to think that like that's all you talk about. And I'm like, well, if they were to think that they can, you know, just listen to thousands of other hours of, you know, podcasts that I've put out where I don't mention it at all. And then I was thinking about it. And then I woke up the next morning and I thought, you know, I don't really care what they think. First of all, I think that he's coming from a place of anxiety that I don't share. Mm. Uh, and I understand he's, he's trying to be protective of my image or whatever. Um, and I, I appreciate that concern. However, I, I really am so tired of being so worried about what it is that people are going to think. And I just think that maybe I could finally just be done with that. Um, and that felt like growth on my part. So sorry for turning this into my own personal therapy session, but uh, I am a better person and let other, and I just share that both because uh, I took advantage of this moment to be grossly self-indulgent, but also if someone else out there is worried about what other people think, I say, don't be, just join me in this moment of saying who really cares about what other people think, who cares? You can't control it, who cares? What's uh, the be authentic. The great Taoist sage, Lao Tzu, uh, said that uh, when you care too much about what other people think about you, you become their slave. Yes. Mm, yeah. Mm, I like that. So I'm with you. I'm with you. Todd, mm. on a scale of one to five, one being awful, five <laughs> being amazing, how was your week? You know what? I'm gonna give it a two point five average week. Oh my week, goodness! Because it had its highs and it had its lows. You okay. know, um, and obviously the big news is for anybody who follows me on Instagram or follows me on Facebook, you will notice that I got a new dog this week, and his mm-hmm. name is Archie, and he's, he's eleven so eleven months old, and I think he's like part Labrador and part. Um, boxer so he's a bigger dog than i'm used to and i wanted a small scruffy dog to go with my other small scruffy dog but nature finds a way you know and so my my wife and i we chose this dog and so that's a joy the other but the negative part is is been i forgot how much of a pain in the ass a puppy is especially a larger Mm -hmm. one that wants to get into anything i will tell you this on yesterday he ripped, he opened up, or he got into a cabinet in my kitchen and pulled out all the Reynolds wrap and the boxes for, like, the plastic <laughs> bags, tore into that, okay? Then uh, he found in the garage the big bag of dog food that where we keep all the dog oh, food, no. and he got mm-hmm. into there, and I don't know how much he ate, but then he diarrheaed all over the lawn, I had to <laughs> clean that up. Oh. Then he pooped in the house, oh. and... Heat on my couch. Oh, Archie. And I had just cleaned it. Uh, mm. Oh, yeah. And then, to top it all off, he tried to eat my teddy bear. 
<laughs> oh no! You got to lock up that teddy bear. I know. I did. I put him up somewhere really high, so he, uh, okay, so good. Archie can't get to him. But so that way, it's been kind of terrible. Yeah, but I love him because it was funny. He, of course, like the first two days, total sweetheart. Like, oh my god, mm-hmm. he's so sweet. And then I realized I think the people who were fostering him probably like drugged him. You know, and then the, then the drugs wore off, and then he was like, I'm going to be a crazy puppy, you know? <sighs> right, he think... was probably getting comfortable. Yeah. Or or he was drugged. Yeah. I don't think he was drugged, but I did joke with him. I said, uh, you 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 stiff, you stuck him with a couple Benadryl, right? You know? <laughs> um, okay. So, congratulations on your new family member. Mm-hmm. He sounds delightful. He's super he cute. I didn't realize how big he was. Is this the puppy that you, or the dog, that you were debating whether you were going to adopt or not? No, we we kind of decided against that dog. And then, like, the next day, oh. our friend that... Chose another large dog. Yeah, our, fr- our friend that brought us that dog was just like, oh, fine, we have another one. So this is kind of an interesting story. Um, if you're ready... I. You're going to have to brace yourself for a really big name drop. I'm braced. Are you ready? I'm holding the table. Because this is almost an obnoxious, an obnoxious name drop. Um, our okay. friend has a friend who fosters. And that friend who fosters right. just happens to be the nanny for Prince Harry and Meghan Markle. Oh, Wow. Yeah. Oh, is that why you named him Archie? So we named him Archie because that she watches the kid Archie, who's a, she was so super sweet. Came came over and brought the dog, and the dog was like perfect. And then I, I joke with my wife, I go, oh, "We got to name him Archie then, if it's you know." Prince wait, Harry. wait, tell me again the tell me again how sorry who who is who is who is who is Prince Harry? Because that's all my it was such a big name drop that everything was blank up until that point. How how many degrees? Okay. Our very close friend is friends yes. with their nanny, and their nanny was fostering the dog. So this nanny, I mean, this dog has probably met them. Could could be this I mean, dog has Prince Harry, Meghan Markle smell on it. Could could have been at the Jubilee, you know? Who knows? But I feel like <laughs> this. No, this you got to ask the dog some questions. This, this dog might do- know what they're like. This dog at a royal jubilee would be exactly like something out of a bad 80s kids movie where like the queen is walking and waving and then suddenly, oh no, Archie, no. And then, you know, the dog pees all over, you know, the carpet at Westminster Abbey or I don't know, tries to, so, tries wait to a eat minute. Maggie Did Smith you, or something. Is that part of why you adopted the dog? Because the dog is, is adjacent to fame? Adjacent to royalty? Why would you ever accuse me of such a vain thing? <laughs> because you mentioned it. Well, it's a good story, is it not? Does it make me it's seem really like a good. terrible person? I think it's a pretty good story. I think it's No, because but but you were you were really in conflict over the fact that there was another dog that you felt guilty about not adopting and you decided that dog was just too big and then all of a sudden in Walsh's you know, Lord Labrador, the fifth. Yeah. The winds, the, 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 you know, Windsor of Scots. Can you tell I know about um, lineage? And suddenly you're taking in a Great Dane. 
it was like uh, that. That's why you did so poorly on the Alarmist podcast when you guessed it on. <laughs> I that. did really well. I was a I was a breakout star. I think you were great, but Thank it you. was that dog. The first dog was very skittish and had a very oh. skittish energy because it had been abandoned for ten days mm. alone in a house, and it was like freaked out and it was freaking my dog out. And then I was like. Puppy's one thing. Puppy with crazy energy right now. I don't know. Then they brought in this right. chill dog that was well, you know, well healed. Yes. Little or... did you know, it. This dog was lying. Yeah. My friend, who's a dog trainer, says that shelter. Now I don't know if this dog was ever in a shelter though, but says that shelter dogs, their real personality comes out at, at four months, for what it's worth. Oh God! So I've got four or res- months rescues. Yeah, rescue dogs, like, their real personality comes out at four months. So I don't know what that means. Oh, no. Good Lord. <laughs> well, I think what that means, that, that could be good, though. That could mean that the destruct- destructiveness you're seeing right now is just, like, a temporary thing. It could also be that it's a, the dog is 11 months old, and I think that's a hard age. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's just what it is. It's just being a puppy. Like, all of my other dogs are pains yeah. in the butts when they're puppies. So that's yeah. all, and I'll get used to it, but it is... Uh, crazy i'm laying down and i hear it next to me like pass the tea you know (laughs) how uh how oh excuse me a are you a better person b how's archie getting along with scout oh okay oh archie and scout at first like the first two days scout was not having it scout was Mm. afraid he actually bit scout oh no there was i i made the dumb thing of like bringing them both a separate bone here's a bone for you dog here's a bone and then there's like bone conflict and so the archie bit scout so scout was like skittish Mm. for a couple days but now i think they're about ready to align against me you know now they're (laughs) they figured it out so god I hope they don't attack you. I know. Oh, my sleep. Just eat my face off like a chimp. Yeah. Oh. But am I a better person? And I will say, yes, I'm a better person because I adopted a dog, which gives me an amazing feeling of self-righteousness. Yes. Thank you for joining me on the show today, Allison Rosen. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. I want to remind everyone that we want to know how was your listener? How was your week? Are you a better person? Call in. Let us know. Leave us a voicemail. 323-553-2331. Don't pay attention to the message that you'll hear. It's for my other show. Upworthy Weekly was produced by Todd Perry. Follow Upworthy on all socials at Upworthy. Allison is on Twitter at Allison Rosen. And Todd at Todd A. Perry. That's Todd with one D questions, comments, or to tell us about your amazing week, email us at upworthyweekly at upworthy.com. I'm Marley Balin. Have a great week.